0: The following sermon was delivered by Executive Pastor Rev. Dr. Jonah So in the sanctuary of Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City. We welcome you to worship with us every Sunday, in person, or on livestream. For details, go to fapc.org. And now, here is Rev. Dr. Jonah So. Hear now the word of God as it comes to us from Isaiah chapter 9 starting with the second verse. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor you have broken as on the day of Midian. For all the boots of the tramping warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child has been born to us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness and from this time onward and forevermore the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. In 1956, Mickey asked Sylvia a question. When asked, how do you call your lover boy, she said, come here, lover boy. (laughs) And if he doesn't answer, she'd say, oh, lover boy. And if he still didn't answer, she'd simply say, baby, oh, baby, my sweet baby, you're the one. Of course, she crooned it much better than I ever could my first experience with Sylvia's answers was in the context of Patrick Swayze's Johnny Castle and Jennifer Grey's Baby Houseman's flirtatious rehearsal scene in 1987's Dirty Dancing. In 2022, however, we are asking a question that would seem unrelated to the song called love is strange by mickey and sylvia because we're asking what are we going to call this baby so far we've heard that this baby we find nestled in the straw who is heaven's gift and this baby would change everything is called wonderful counselor for wise governance and mighty God who makes us mighty. Today, we find we would call this baby Everlasting Father. (laughs) And I think that's a bit strange. Let me tell you why. I ask all of you, take a moment to answer the question that was posed to Sylvia. How do you call your beloved? What are the terms of endearment you use? Baby? Dear? Sweetie? Darling? Bay? (laughs) In my home, a few get thrown around, but we mainly go with hun, you know short for honey, my sweet thing. (laughs) We're both Korean, we speak it, and we have plenty of Korean friends. And some of our friends use Korean sweet talk. There is a popular one that Jennifer has never used with me. (laughs) That is the term "opa." Usage goes something like this. I say to Jennifer, Hi, hon. And she says to me, Hi, Opa. Or, Hun, have you seen the remote? No. But, Opa, can you do the dishes? But in translation, it goes like this Hi, hon. Hi, big brother. (laughs) Strange, right? Because that's what it means. Oppa is the Korean term a younger sister uses to address her older brother. A younger brother would address his older brother as hyung, And he would address his older sister as Nuna. And a younger sister would address her older sister as Anni. So we have these four words you just learned. Yet, of these four familial, sibling phrases, oppa works also for boyfriend and husband. <laughs> <laughs> it works, I guess, but it's strange. And that's the same feeling we might get when we call the baby Jesus Everlasting Father. When we list the persons of the Trinity, we say the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the Son. In the Gospels, Jesus taught his disciples to pray by saying, Our Father in heaven. As he hung on the cross at Calvary, Jesus cried out to the Father, how then is Jesus the Son to be called Everlasting Father? If you need a visual of the quandary of calling the Son of God the Everlasting Father, take a look at the cover. It is the oldest known icon depicting Jesus. In, it's, hanging, it's in St. Catherine's Monastery, and it's called Christ Pentecrator. If you look at his face, you can see that two sides of Christ's face are markedly different to each other. And this depicts the two different natures of Christ. Christ is fully human and Christ is fully divine in one person. If you want, take two of them, fold it in half and try to do the symmetry thing and you'll see two different faces. I mean, we could probably rename this picture Christ, oppa, my brother, my husband. <laughs> See, it's, it's just kind of awkward. But let, let's just do it, though. Let's just do it. Let's examine together why Jesus is the everlasting Father. So first, the Father. The Apostles' Creed begins with the affirmation, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven, and earth. We relate the Father with the act of creation. The first verse of the Bible reads In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Life comes from God. One of the more unique and particular biblical celebrations of God as Father is found in Psalm 68, verses 5 and 6, that says, Father of orphans and protector of widows is God in in his holy habitation. God gives the desolate a home to live in. He leads out the prisoners to prosperity, but the rebellious live in a parched land. In making commentary about these verses, Walter Brueggemann writes, God is praised because God protects widows and orphans, the most vulnerable in society, as well as prisoners. Thus, the Father God is attentive to the vulnerable and unproductive, a theological claim that is reflected in the Torah provision for widows, orphans and immigrants. Ancient Israel is to care for and protect precisely those God is attentive to. I am Avery and Harvey's father. I care for them and protect them. But make no mistake, I am thrilled when someone comes along to care for them and protect them but i know that the good times will come to an end and they will send back my children with some iteration of the message they are yours (laughs) but god doesn't do that god sends no one away because all are gods all belong to god's family Before going to the cross at the Last Supper, Jesus tells his disciples that he will not leave them orphaned. While on the cross, Jesus sees his mother nearby, and next to her was his disciple and close friend, John. And Jesus says to Mary, here is your son. And to John, he says, here is your mother. And from that moment, John took her into his home. Brueggemann comments, Jesus' words guaranteed protection for his mother and fixed the responsibility of a son on his disciple. Jesus takes the role of father. The gospel story depicts Jesus caring for orphans and widows and creating families the job of God the Father. Next, everlasting. When injustice abounds and the economy is unstable, people cry out for a regime change. And on the flip side, when crime rates drop and society prospers, we hear the chanting of four more years. Although it points to Jesus, the immediate context of our scripture passage from Isaiah is the advent of a king. It was a long-held view that kings had the mandate of God. They were ruling the people of God on behalf of God. What could go wrong with this system? A couple of weeks ago, it was Harvey's turn to play goalie. To be honest with you, I don't care for those games very much. It's like lose-lose. I mean, if he tends the net poorly, he loses the game for the team. If he does a great job, the parents rave and say crazy things like, you should be the goalie more often, making me retort in my head, no, yours should. (laughs) So the best case, is for the team to win by like one (laughs) or tie. So you can see that middle bet outcome is difficult to hit. You know what I mean? I, I digress. So there's this point in the game where our team is on the attack. Everyone is looking that way, holding their breath, hoping for a goal. I glance over at Harvey and I see him heading toward the bench. And I think, oh my gosh, is something, something wrong? And it takes me a long second to figure out that he's not actually skating. He's just slowly drifting away from the net. <laughs> leaving it wide open. I scream at the top of my lungs. Eh, I'm always screaming at the top of my lungs. I'm, I'm banging on the glass and spastically gesturing, what are you doing? <laughs> and it must have worked because Harvey snapped out of whatever daze he was in and motioned back, what dad? <laughs> and it's time I'm about to flip out more Our coach's dad came over, embracing my shoulders by the side, saying, even in baseball, sometimes we chase butterflies. You don't want that to be what he remembers. And he gave me a raspy laugh. (laughs) And he assured me it would be all right. And I believed him. A short while later... Harvey made a spectacular save that had all the parents congratulating me. Oh my gosh, great job, Dad. And Coach's dad ran over to say, that's what you wanted to remember. And I was so thankful and inspired for that attention and personalized coaching that I had received from Coach's dad. You know, I... I really, it was a touching moment and I really felt like I was going to change. But I didn't. (laughs) Alas. I share that because the the succession line of kings after David and Solomon were a lot like me. A few scattered parenting victories, but lots more failures. There were 39 kings, and out of 39 of them, Only eight were good. The others did what was evil in the sight of God. They led people away from God. They did not serve the people with justice. They stole from them. God judged the kings who were to shepherd God's people. And because they could not do it, God declared, God will come and do it God-self. The baby nestled in the manger is the one who creates a reliable and sustained family of safety and belonging for all. When Jesus says, I will never leave you or forsake you, and I am with you always to the end of the age, It takes on a deeper meaning as we consider calling him the Everlasting Father. As awkward as it might be to call Jesus the Son Everlasting Father, I think we need him to be. Why? Let me give a few reasons. Every year, Oxford languages that's the creator of the Oxford English Dictionary, picks the word of the year. Do you know what 2022's word of the year is? Yeah, It is goblin mode. Goblin mode, word of the year. It is a slang term defined as a type of behavior which is unapologetically self-indulgent lazy, slovenly, or greedy, typically in a way that rejects social norms or expectations. NPR reporter Juliana Kim offers, the slang particularly struck a chord with people who felt disillusioned by the third year of the pandemic and the ongoing political upheavals around the world. In response, they are rejecting societal expectations and making their own rules of how to live. The trend is marked by a departure from respectability and aesthetic. Instead, it encourages people to lean into their uncurated, self-indulgent, and sometimes mischievous ways. That's goblin mode. And to add to that, at the end of October, A company called Circuit did a study using data to factor in things like congestion level, number of traffic jams, traffic jam length, hours lost during congestion, driving speeds, and distracted driving fatalities. And accordingly, they ranked the worst U.S. cities for driving. You want to take a guess who was number one? New York City and the median rent for a Manhattan apartment in November hit $4,033 up from $3,964 in October and while the average rent fell slightly to $5,249 in November that is 19% over what it was at the same time a year ago. And to wrap all that in a bow, the country is facing a triple threat of influenza, COVID-19, and RSV. 1010 Winds recently reported that there were children in the ER that had been waiting 12 hours to be treated. Goblin mode has us trending toward selfish ways of being that are being amped up by conditions that increase stress, fear, anger, and frustration. And as a people of faith, as much as I would want to sell it that we're immune, we are not immune from these realities. But as a people of faith, we have access to a remedy that comes in various ways of hope, love, and joy. Jesus is wisely governing and making us mighty. He will not leave us orphaned. He will not leave us or forsake us. The everlasting Father is working and creating a rela- reliable and sustained family of safety and belonging for all. And this community, this his body, joins in the work that we proudly, as we proudly declare, this is God's house, all are welcome. And there is indeed joy in that. Family of faith, rejoice in the Lord always, I will say again, rejoice. May the everlasting Father joy carry you from this place and inspire you throughout this week until we meet again. May the grace, hope, peace, and love of God, the creator, redeemer, and sustainer be with us all now and forever. Amen. We hope this sermon has been meaningful to you and given you a measure of hope, encouragement, and good news. If you would like to make a donation to support this audio ministry, please visit fapc.org give. Thank you and blessings to you on this day.